I just want to be kind, you know, I want to be like a kind photographer. When I shoot other women, I want to make them look good. I don't want to make them look bad. I want to make them feel good. I want to make the person who's looking at the picture want to be like that because that's what fashion photography is. It's about aspiration. So making a woman look aspirational means making her look powerful and cool and funny and fun and like you want to hang out with her. And as a byproduct, it kind of, I guess, says that about women and everybody, really. Hello, and welcome to Unsimple Minds, a podcast by General Idea, exploring creativity and what it means to break through in culture. Today, we had the fine privilege of sitting down with Charlotte Wales, a photographer and filmmaker whose work has graced the pages of French folk, pop, British folk, and many others. Charlotte is known for her campaigns with brands like Louis Vuitton, NARS, Chloe, and a number of industry leaders. I hope you enjoy this candid conversation into her journey as a creative and what it takes to find your voice in the industry, or perhaps what it doesn't take. Thanks very much and enjoy. Charlotte, thanks so much for being with us. It's great to be with you this morning to have a conversation about creativity and all things in your world. What I wanted to start by talking about was, you know, one of the things that attracted us so much to your work was really just how prolific you are as a creator. You are, in some respects, shall we say, ambidextrous in the way in which you sort of flow through mediums, moving from photography to film. And if anyone has had the privilege of working with you on set, it's really quite amazing to watch the way in which you work and, and just how agile you are working between photography and film. So the question I wanted to start with was, you know, you're, you're really well known for, for your work in both disciplines, whether that's your videos with Vogue from nine to five or your images that you've taken for great brands. Do you consider yourself a photographer? Do you consider yourself a filmmaker? Do you think the distinction is arbitrary and irrelevant? How do you think about yourself as a creator? Well, hello. <laughs> um, it's an interesting question because I guess if I were to just bump into somebody random in the street and they asked me what I did, it would probably be easiest to say I was a photographer because I think I'm, you know, I'm a fashion photographer if you were to put me in that box. But to me, you know, I really enjoy filmmaking as well. And I feel like painting and sculpture, you know, they're just two different ways of communicating, you know, storytelling, image making, ideas and I think that's what's more important to me always is kind of the idea and what you're trying to say rather than how you try and say it and how you try and say it should be the tool that's best suited to it. For me being a creative is far more important than being a photographer. You grew up in a creative family. If I understand it correctly, your mom was an artist. You have siblings who also work in the creative fields. Did you have an inkling at a younger age that you wanted to be a creative, that you wanted to be potentially a photographer, that you had a sort of inclination towards a certain medium? How did your upbringing kind of influence, you think, where you ended up professionally? My mom is an artist now. She's a painter. But before that, she was a... Um, I mean, she was many things, actually. She was a graphic designer, 
and then she became a set designer for TV commercials. And then after she had me, she kind of retired and, and kind of painted. And then my brother and my sister were set designers and still, still work in the film and television industry. I feel like my family, they've all got amazing taste and creativity. Like my mum's house is, is beautiful the way she art directs her own house, you know? And I knew that that was something that was in me as well. But again, it wasn't like I was a child that, you know, sometimes you read interviews with photographers and they're like, oh, I got my first camera when I was three years old and I was like obsessed with it and taking pictures of everybody and everything. And for me, it was never like that much of an obsession with the camera it was more about image making and painting and and creativity than like obsession with this tool specifically yeah and you went and then you decided that you were going to pursue i mean you mentioned that you went to central saint martin so you decided at a certain age that then you were going to go into more formal education around the creative arts and and can you tell us a little bit about kind of what that journey was like going to central st martin's and and what you did there and a little bit those sort of formative years in people's lives where they start to move into college and then move out into a professional capacity i mean i nearly studied english actually i i applied for both and then i kind of yeah i i decided to do to do fine art the course that I was on, I've already spoken about it a little bit. It was it was very, very free in terms of what you wanted to make work about. And I mean, university is an amazing time where you can just indulge your interests with no concern for, I don't know, where it's going or, you know, financially, how that's linked. I'm curious a little bit how you thought about the sort of trajectories of creativity, whether you would move to a sort of traditional fine arts vocation or if fashion had a pull for you and and you thought that was more interesting like how did you sort of choose that trajectory over a a fine arts trajectory I was always quite interested in fashion and clothes and I'd kind of thought about fashion design as an option as well it took a while to like think of fashion photography as like a career in itself I hadn't really thought about that and then this period when I was studying where the idea of, of being a creative was so free, I then felt like there was a need to translate that into a sort of a vocation. Because I've talked about before how, for me, being what you call a fine artist, it has its own trajectory too that's strategic and complicated. And when I was making art at university, I was super free and I didn't have to think about that and how that translated into real world financials. And the work that I was making was very much kind of anti-establishment and very like liberal and kind of not about conforming to anything that would have made it very... it just wouldn't have worked very well in a in a traditionally successful gallery led career and i didn't really want to compromise that in a way and just kind of make paintings that i thought people would want to hang in their house because it felt just like a game i didn't want to play it felt more fake you know if you're a fine artist that's kind of like got one canon and one body of work you can get really locked into doing one thing that I think I would find terribly boring, to be honest. If I was just like Rothko sitting around with like coloured shapes after coloured shapes, I'd go mad. Whereas like 
I'd love to be able to sort of one week do a colour exploration as one thing and then, you know, another week do something else. And in a similar way, you can only do that one thing and that one thing has to A, be financially lucrative and what hits the nail on the head to provide your living or whatever and satisfy you creatively. Whereas the great thing about working in a more commercial industry is you can take different things away from different projects, you know, like... You might have a passion project that you invest a lot of time and energy into that you don't make any money from. Or you can have another project which, you know, is more of your bread and butter that, you know, is enjoyable, but, you know, you're doing it for other reasons as well. But that doesn't even mean they're mutually exclusive, you know, like you can do paid work that's also incredibly interesting and exciting as well. So I think that's, it's just the freedom to to do all of those things. Let's talk a little bit more about the comment that you made around the notion of fine art and then your trajectory moving into more of a fashion capacity. You mentioned in an interview that the world of the fine arts for you felt like a medium that was perhaps less transparent than the fashion world and that you have to quote unquote sort of play the game, but there's a transparency to it in a way that's different than the world of fine arts. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you meant there and this idea of kind of, you know, having a strategy or playing the game that I think so many creatives are familiar with, but is still such an interesting conversation in terms of the way in which the creative industry works? Well, how I got into the industry was I was given the advice to work at a studio as a studio assistant, which I did. And then I worked in a photography agency kind of as sort of intern and uh, production assistant and that was at MAP when Julie Brown was the big boss lady so I became aware of this strategy game there because or or, or just that you know how how a photographer's career is, is strategized just through being there in that room while she was talking to the photographers and kind of listening to everything that she would say to them and how she would discuss their work with them. And that was really informative and and interesting and is something that I've kind of been aware of ever since. And I mean, I guess the rules of it are changing all the time. You know, they're not the same as they used to be. But of course, there's still politics involved and things that you can do and stepping stones that you want to make on the way to kind of become more successful, as it were. What did you learn in that regard? Can you tell us anecdotally the things that you floated in your mind or something that you you took away from that in terms of what those stepping stones would have looked like or things that were attentive to as you sat and listened to agents think about strategies for creatives? I guess even like when I was the studio assistant, I worked at Spring Studios when it first started, when it was, I mean, not when it first started, sorry, when I first started. And after about a week of being there, whatever, they asked us to write down which photographers we liked so that if they came in, we could be put on their studios. And I just did, I didn't know who to write down. I didn't know who anybody was. I had to like ask somebody what, you know, who were the ones to write down. So even, even down to like that, even just picking up who everybody was to start off with, you know, like everyone be like, oh my God, Katie Grant's coming in. So, you know, then you're like, okay, Katie Grant's important or whatever, you know, it's just like little bits of things like that. Like, who do you have to be nice to? Oh, and then like, who hates who? Like what, if you do this publication, you can't do that publication because they don't really like each other and they get jealous of each other. Even though that's kind of less of a thing now, you know, than it used to be. Or things like there's great editorial in in London. So it's important to like have connections there versus like how it is 
different everywhere else or whatever. And also even the concept, which is totally weird to anybody that doesn't work in our industry, that a photographer needs to invest money doing editorial to then get commercial work. Like if you talk to someone not in the industry about the fact that, that I will, you know, pay to do an editorial, they're like, sorry, what? <laughs> but, but of course it's like, it's, it's just part of it and it's, it's how it works. And what was your first professional job that you did? When I first started shooting, I, I had kind of like a, a high street e-com client in New York, which was very helpful because it kind of provided a sort of like financial stability for me to then be able to invest this money in editorial and stuff like that, like we've talked about. And I was really conscious also of coming, even though I was living in New York, I would try and come back to Europe quite a lot to maintain those relationships I'd built in Europe and shoot for editorial publications in Europe. And then also like kind of some of the nicest jobs I did when I was starting were for Barney's when Dennis Friedman was there and working for that team. They had a lot of quite fun projects for a photographer at my level, which was really nice. And was there, were there certain projects that you think were projects that became quite seminal then for you in terms of the trajectory of your career where you can sort of go back and say this was kind of a defining moment or this was a defining opportunity where I think I could start to start to see things formulate in terms of where my career trajectory would go. I think that most of the like paid work that I was doing then was probably not that but I think that's kind of to do with the level that I was at and 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 maybe even being in New York as well. But I began working with the brand area. I shot all their stuff from, from the very beginning. So that was a really great creative relationship that formed then. And I um, mean, you know, they didn't have any money as a young brand. So we, we, you know, I did everything for them for free together. And that was really fun and good. And then I, I think the editorial was what was really kind of what made me change my thinking creatively or develop creatively at that point you know and then make people take note of what I was doing because I think that the commercial space in New York at that time I think it's a bit different now in terms of what people are looking for but at that time in New York when I would show my book to people it's different when you show your book to people in different countries how they react and as I say I think times are changing now but when I would do meetings in New York I felt like people would look at my book and they would just look for stuff that matched their swipe. It just looked like what they already knew they wanted whereas when you did meetings in Europe people would look at your book and try and understand more about you and what. I know I'm massively generalizing but people would kind of try and get to the bottom of what your work was about and who you were more than just kind of looking at the images and seeing if they matched what they needed. There was something that you, you made a comment about the idea that you didn't necessarily see a, and I'm paraphrasing, so correct me if I'm paraphrasing it wrong, but that you, that you didn't necessarily see like a moment of breakthrough, but it was more about sort of pushing through and doing lots of stuff and being consistent about what you do that sort of built a creative career. There wasn't sort of one thing necessarily or one project. And I wonder if you think that this kind of idea of breaking through is a myth that we sort of tell ourselves as creative, that there is something that is the all defining moment for when you go from being something to something else. Or if you think it's just more on a case by case basis, I thought the comment was very curious about it being more about consistency rather than something or one thing that allowed you to 
take off. There's a lot of things I want to talk about in response to that. I guess there's interpretations of what it means to break through. You could interpret that in, in terms of breaking into the industry and everyone being like, oh my God, who's this new person? They're amazing. We have to use them for everything. That's like one interpretation of breaking through. Another interpretation of breaking through is self-actualization as an artist or like realizing who you are, what you want to make work about, having it all click together and like finding your voice and, and what you want to do. You know, I think those are two different things. And I think that the, the second one is more of like, not that I think that's an instantaneous like snap thing, but I feel like for me, that was like a quicker, more not quicker thing to happen, but like the turnaround happened faster between the state A and state B. But I think, and it's also still ongoing, like all of these things are still ongoing, but I think the like breaking into the industry thing, it can happen differently for different people. And I think that's another thing like I was talking about at the beginning, like there's no one set way to do things anymore. It can happen differently for different people. For me, I feel like it was not one snap thing. You know, I think when I shot the Chloe campaign, that was kind of a big deal. But I think that in general, it's been a pretty solid progression, which I am more happy about than if I had suddenly stopped working for Dan and like six months later, I was like killing it worldwide for every major brand I just I think I feel safer in my progression being steadier and I think that in fashion sometimes it's dangerous to like I think the whole world is a bit scary now because you can become this really hot thing for five minutes and then it's too much too fast and nobody wants to see you anymore and it's over and I'd rather make good work be solid, have a nice career, then be too concerned about being the coolest person in the room because the coolest person in the room is only the coolest person in the room for a short period of time. Yeah, it's so true. It's like, I mean, no, it's just, it's just like a profound statement. It's very interesting to hear you say it and like what drives consistency almost rather than cool, which is like being true to yourself. I guess, Charlotte, that would be my question when you made that comment, which is if the approach is about longevity and not about necessarily being a flash of cool. Like, how do you think about what you do and the ingredients that will enable that? The, the kind of creative breakthrough for me, when I talk about that, I kind of also associate it with when I was starting, a lot of people would, when I showed my book, like very at the beginning, people would be like, well, you need to discover your voice. What's your voice? Who are you? What do you want to make work about? And that really like stressed me out. And I was like, well, how, I, how do I know? Like, what is my voice? I don't know. And if you asked me to define it now, I could probably like, you know, come up with a paragraph of what I thought it meant. But really, I only actually think I like discovered it when I just stopped worrying about it. And as you say, just met, did what I thought and just like made just made every single decision based on what I thought, not what I thought I should think. Or what should I think if my voice was this? Just just do it, you know? I mean, it's a good segue to talk a little bit about the themes and the subjects and the sort of aesthetics in your work. And maybe we can kind of move into that territory. I am curious to talk a little bit about, you know, the idea of empowering women is something that we, we've heard you talk about before. And I think your work 
features women in, in, in a very strong manner. Women as a subject is, is ever present. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to understand a little bit about the notion of empowering women in your work. I mean, I'm a woman, so when I photograph women, I'm obviously doing it just from that perspective to start off with, which is like nothing I can change, you know, it's just who I am, literally. And then that also in my approach to taking pictures, I just want to be kind, you know, I want to be like a kind photographer. When I shoot other women, I want to make them look good. I don't want to make them look bad. I want to make them feel good. I want to make the person who's looking at the picture want to be like that because that's what fashion photography is. It's about aspiration. So making a woman look aspirational means making her look powerful and cool and funny and fun and like you want to hang out with her. And but as a byproduct, it kind of, I guess, says that about women. But because that's, yeah, that's what I want to say about women too, you know, and everybody really. I don't think it, it's, it's not like I take pictures of men and like don't want to do that. It's about people. It just happens that fashion is more centered around women. And I mean, in some ways, I feel very lucky to be a woman working in the industry now because it's cool to be, you know, not a white man at this point in time, you know? <laughs> so, but at the end of the day, all I want is kind of like a kind perspective on the world where whoever I'm shooting, whatever race, whatever gender, I want to make them look good and feel good and say that that's beautiful, you know? There is also a sense of humor in your work and a lightness in your work. You know, I, I think particularly some of the video work that you've done, there's a joy and a playfulness in it. Is that something that you, you think a lot about in terms of the levity that you want to create in the subject matter? I mean, it's curious because, you know, there is a strength to the subjects that you communicate, but there is also a, a playfulness and the balance is is sometimes interesting when you look at your film and you look at your picture. So I'm curious just to understand how does humor and play sort of influence your creative process? I think when you look at my work, I want you to kind of love the people that you're looking at. And I think that humor is quite an important part of that in some ways because it makes the characters more charming and endearing and like you want to hang out with them. When you look at like great Avedon pictures or or any kind of iconic photographer, there's kind of like the beautiful iconic image, but there's always this like punctum too of reality or kind of the human element to it, which makes it actually touch you more deeply. So I think that humor is kind of a way of doing that. But also I think the kind of general irony that's in a lot of my work is or humour, is also just because we're not ultimately doing something that's that serious, you know? I mean, obviously it's serious and I take it very seriously and I work really hard, but at the end of the day, fashion photography is selling clothes. We're not heart surgeons, you know? So I think that it's important to, you know, have some joy and fun and frivolity in it as well. I'll sort of ask you a couple of questions and maybe we take these questions and pick one of them and focus down to sort of a, a concluding point. but. You know, the things that were still left that we were interested in was the pictures or the work that you think is most emblematic of your work, if that's even possible to answer. I, I think it is a difficult question. And also perhaps the question around, obviously, so much change has happened in the last year. It's a question I, I have been thinking about a lot, as I'm sure everyone on, on this has as well, and how the changes of the last year influence your work, potentially, you think, or 
what the horizon looks like, things that your work you think will become more sensitive to or aware of, just knowing that we've all gone through such a extraordinary period in time. So I don't know which of those sort of like ping thoughts most immediately, but I think they're probably both a good place to sort of round out our dialogue. I think that the notion of beauty has been expanded a lot recently. And I think that's really exciting. You know, like a lot of the work that I've done for British Vogue and, and even commercially, just the fact that I take it for granted that as like a white woman growing up, I saw images of people that looked like me that I, I could relate to. And I think for like so many people in the world, that wasn't really true. And I think that now it's become better. I think there's like still work to do, but I think that that's really interesting that these kind of images that young people look to and look for themselves in and look to what they could become or or who they might want to be shows more possibilities and more possible futures is really exciting. And I hope I can be a part of that. Charlotte, thank you so much. It was... Um, thank you, guys. It was really fun. And thank you so much for agreeing to do it with us, given that we have nothing published and you are part of our very early, early days of, I guess, in some respects, finding our own little <laughs> voice in our little series here that we're doing. Although I don't know how much of a voice it is as much as it's just no a fun problem. project. But, you know, it's so funny, Sam and I, and we can kind of digress now, but Sam and I talk so much about that, especially as we left to set something else up on our own. 